Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Heather. And this is Conspiracies Unlocked. We are going to be uh, reviewing a book uh, called 1984 by George Orwell. That was just his pen name. His actual birth name is Eric Arthur Blair. And he was born June 25th, 1903 in India. He died on January 21st, 1950, which was only seven months after 1984 was published. So this was his last book that he ever wrote. He died at 46 years of age because of tuberculosis. That's so young. Yeah, well, TB, I guess, was really bad. They didn't have TB shots back then. 46. I didn't realize. I mean, I saw the numbers, but I didn't do the math. I, I didn't know. realize 46 is very young. Very young. But I think that TB took out a lot of people very young. I'm not sure. I don't know. So, school. Um, he went to Eton, Eton School in England. And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of people, Prince Charles went there. The Queen went there. That's like where mm, all of the prestigious. prestigious, that's where they all go is to Eton. It's E-T-O-N. I think they say Eton. Eton. <laughs> Eton. <laughs> um, his schoolmates recalled that he was a very argumentative person. So that was just his personality. So if you were to say the sky is, is blue, he'd be like, no, no, the sun is setting. It's it's actually, you know, pink right now. Or hmm. He was very, like, anything, he always questioned everything and was very argumentative about it. Like, he, he wanted to know the other side. He wanted, he didn't just go with the flow. Surprised he didn't become a lawyer or something. An attorney. That is weird. <laughs> he was an imperial policeman. Oh, okay. By the late 20s. Um, he And then he had turned to journalism after he was the policeman. Imperial policeman. So he was actually on enemy like grounds like like doing that. I think it was like a soldiering type thing. He was a soldier. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense if he's very argumentative because he's going to be kind of more authoritative, uh, like an authoritarian figure. <laughs> there was authority, <laughs> authority figure. <laughs> authoritative. Did you ever see the? Um, did you ever on um, South Park? Stan or one of the people? I don't know who Cartman. Maybe I don't know. I don't know their names. But he goes respect my authority. <laughs> Do yeah, you remember that's, that? That's kind that's of what I was totally saying here. What, yeah. what you reminded me of. <laughs> so um, once he went to journalism, um, he was doing a lot of political stories and a lot of political short stories and then novels. He changed his name to George Orwell, and that was it was named after his favorite place, which was River Orwell, and it was located in or probably is still there. In Suffolk, India. Suffolk? Wait, say Suffolk, England. Suffolk? Suffolk. 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 You have to have the the You have to have the British twang. Suffolk. 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 Suffolk in England. In England. Yeah. England. Anyways, so what? So I was trying to figure out why he was the way that he was and why he he chose because that's not really like a fun thing thinking about to write about like oh i'm gonna go write a political novel that Mm. doesn't seem fun so i wanted to figure out why like what happened in his life to get him so politically yeah what draw what what drawn him what happened politics yeah what 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 happened in his life what happened to him so what i found out was that he was an atheist right Mm. but he attended the church of england every sunday 
That's interesting. Because, right, he doesn't believe in God, so why is he going to church? Family, maybe? Maybe, but I think that he was so just argumentative, even with himself, that I think maybe he went there just to be like, that's not right. Challenge it. Challenge Challenge it, just to, like, argue. Just Mm -hmm. to argue a point that this can't be right, or something. I'm not sure. I think that... I really think that he really wanted to just see the world as a whole and see, like, all perspectives. I don't think that he was just very one-sided of being like, church is good, God is right, mm-hmm. da 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 and that's that. I think he wanted to, or, or there is no God, that's it. I think that he wanted to live in a place where science and religion could coexist, and he wanted to see both sides of it, and he wanted to, so he didn't just hear about it, he wanted to live it and be part of it to get the full scope of... Or maybe certain aspects of it he did believe... But he didn't believe it all entirely of the way that it was presented in the church. But he could stand behind certain passages or quotes or things, so he, you know, morally, yeah. morally stand like a moral standard that rather than a like a spiritual. And and that's um, that's super probably right on because he did he memorized a lot of different Bible passages. Oh, okay. And he had a prayer song book that he would just like say like he, he knew them he had the memorized page numbers and where you could find it in the book so he definitely studied the bible and he had so it might be just those parts of the bible that he mm-hmm. really held on to i'm not i'm not sure obviously but um he did have he was married twice and they were he was married both times in the church of england so he had two oh. catholic marriages catholic marriages that's a really long, drawn out, like four hour procession. <laughs> they even have seats for the uh, for the groom and bride to sit in because it's so long. And then I I think too because I have friends who are Catholic and I I want to say that to even get married in the Catholic Church I don't know how it was then but you had to do some kind of counseling yes. with the priest. My, my one of my you friends just to... got married like that and. Her husband. It's like a process. Yes. Well, her husband had already been married, so they had from in a different. He's from Ireland, so her fiance then had sure. already been married, so they had to go get his. They had to get his baptism records from this small church in I- England. They had to get his divorce records, his marriage records. Like they had to have all this information before to prove that he did his his, commun- his first communion that he was baptized and everything was in the catholic church or else he can't couldn't be married in a catholic church so he had to and just he had, basically like, prove his his, his um, religion background yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. and then because he had already had a divorce they almost wouldn't marry him in the catholic in that catholic church because that one must have been more strict, I guess. Like, if I don't know how strict. I don't know. Is, and then they also had to um, go to the counseling classes, and it was like a, yes. a four, five month, six month process. And you have to go once a week, and you have to like with the pastor. It's not even like well, from what I understand, it's like just one on one with the pastor. It's not even like you. Like a group. It's setting. not even like a group setting. It's like no, you you go and you talk to the pastor, to, so they can make sure that this. It's gonna last, and it's something that you want to do, and you guys don't have problems. I don't know. So that's that's interesting that for me to think that uh, George Orwell was married in the Catholic Church twice because being an atheist, I would think he wouldn't have any of those documents. He wouldn't have a first communion. He I think have... also back then, I think that it was very um, proper to do it. Like he went to Eton. So obviously, whoever his parents were were very well off or very 
to have that like social social light mm-hmm. background because he was he was like a socialite at that point because yeah. just to go to Iran I think is your parents are socialites or you know they're prestigious it's very you're known you know so maybe it was one of those those things that you had to or they could have baptized him when he was a baby or something uh-huh. but then he himself, especially back then when yeah. he grew up he was like oh I'm an atheist yeah I'm yeah baptized, but you would have already but, done all that yeah, yeah. And so then, and well, and, and he changed his name, and I know that a lot of people change their names for different reasons, but maybe that's why he changed his name, because he didn't want to be associated with the socialites and that, those groups of people. Maybe they thought that they, he was, like, privileged and they wouldn't take his book seriously or something. Or, or, or I his wonder, writings. Or I wonder if he wanted to be anonymous for the other side so his parents didn't know what he was doing. I'm sure. <laughs> Why not? We need to do a deep dive into his his parents, right? I didn't really, I didn't background. have any focus on his parents because I didn't think we would be talking about him as much. Um, so, anyways, and his funeral was also Catholic, um, and he is so his po- his political belief was that he was against totalitarianism. <laughs> It is the longest word. <laughs> I can't even say that. It's like a tongue yeah. twister. And it's the longest word I've ever seen in my life. It is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 characters long. Oh. 15 letters long. It is ridiculous. It's but, a sentence in itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so total totalitarianism is a system of government that is centralized and dictatorial and requires complete subservience to the state. Pretty much the government has complete control over you, over everything you own, everything you are, everything you see, everything you do, everything, all of it. So that's like a dictatorship almost. Yes. Yeah. But what he was for was is d- democratic socialism. Democratic which, socialism. Which I don't think we're supposed to like socialism either. <laughs> <laughs> well. But so democratic socialism is basically where everyone owns everything. There is no capitalism. There's no there's no profiting because you invented this or whatever. They're just everybody's kind of equal. Everybody owns everything. It's kind of like, you know how, like, Winco is employee-owned? The store is, mm-hmm. like, employee-owned? Yeah. So, it's like everybody has a fair share in it. And I'm just thinking how they're, like, in my opinion, I don't think that that would even work ever. Maybe in, like, a small village town, maybe 100 people or less, something like that. But we could never get the whole world. Oh, he wants this for the whole world. That's what he wants. That, that he, that's what he would like to see. He wants everything. That's his That's his political belief. Okay. Yeah, so, that that's, would be it, really difficult to get the whole world on board. Or even just, even, even just, like, one town. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. get everybody in. Oh, nobody can be more rich than other people. Nobody. So everyone is even on the everyone same. Everyone is even. Same playing field. Yep. Everybody you just is, go walk into a store and you get whatever you want and you leave because everybody has the same everything. And Hmm. Yeah. I don't know how long that would work for. Maybe for a little while. But then after a while, I feel like people would... I don't know. Would, I think their violence would ensue trying to steal things because everything is everybody's. Yes. And then some people will still, will be like unhappy working. So they'll just be like, fuck it. I quit. 
but then that wouldn't work. Especially because, like, the new saying is minimum wage equals minimum effort. Have you oh. heard that? And then people silently quitting and all that. And that's, we're not even a, in a socialist anything, and that's happening. So, yeah. But anyways, so that's what he believed. Um, and so he was a democratic socialist. And the so the book basically tells how society can be manipulated. That's the purpose of the book. Um, this book, he, he, George Orwell was actually the media person and put together all the media advertisements and videos for, for the propaganda while he was working at the BBC. Oh, the actual BBC. He was okay. actually the actual like British broadcasting channel. Um, and he would make videos for India to see and encourage a pro-ally sentiment so he, he was a propagandist. So he actually was part of, you know, the, the problem with propaganda. Like, we, we propaganda is not okay, like, I don't think, right? Yeah, well, propaganda is just trying to sway the people whichever way they want, the media wants you to believe. It could, anything could be prop, propaganda. So yeah. he's, he was part of trying to sway, you India know, India. being an ally, which is... It's just crazy that, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about propaganda. I don't feel like it's right, like, it doesn't seem right, but it's just people just trying to sway one way or another. That's just... Yeah, they're just trying to sway, that's, it's like, that's, almost like trying to get your the vote, news, you know? Yeah, the, but the news shouldn't be like that. Journalism should be... Factual. Factual. There shouldn't be any bias. It's supposed, journalism is supposed to be a non-biased platform where you just get the facts, but it's become a bias platform in our day so this is already so like there's an example of how 1984 is already it's just like different news channels you'll see like this is more of a democratic news channel this is more of a which is crazy it should just all be the same the facts are the facts why are we fucking fucking up the facts but you can almost tell like who's a republican and who's a democrat by what news channel they watch (laughs) you know you say like oh what do you watch oh okay and you don't even need to ask what their political stance are you just say what news channel do you like to watch what channel would you like me to put on CNN you already know liberal (laughs) CNN and then Fox I guess is the Republicans so it's like instantly yeah. so I watch like CBS I don't know what they are but I always do <laughs> CBS because I'm like I don't want any sort of that shit um, so the, um, so working at the BBC I guess that there was a room 101 that they um, tortured it was like a torture type room wait what? At the BBC. At the BBC. Yes. Shut up. Yeah. I didn't know any. Tell me more. Well, what? I don't really know too much about it. The, why I don't know too much about it is because the room 101 is in the book as a torture room. And that's where he got it from. So this whole whole book of being propaganda and all of, because the book was the main focus of the book is how society can be manipulated through media and through all this stuff. Right. So I'm getting like what MK Ultra vibes. Like, where that's a whole other conspiracy we can deep dive, yeah. but where they basically do mind control with sound images. With sound waves and, and stuff, video right? Yeah. And everything. And, and is that what the BBC was trying to accomplish? I wonder. I, I don't know. We should probably do, when we get to this part in the book, we'll do a deep dive into the Room 101 just in general. Okay. Because yeah. that'll be fun to do. I'm because especially because it was a real place. And another fun fact about this book is that the um, the term Big Brother 
quote unquote, that we always use the TV show yeah, Big the, Brother. The, the, that's a that's a real. I love watching that actually. <laughs> yeah. So again, that that came out what like two thousand or something. Either way, so Big Brother that term has been used forever, and this was the book that that term came from. That was um, that not was, a thing. That's what George Orwell made up, Big Brother. So he basically birthed yes. <laughs> Big Brother. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. And that was one of, that's part of the conspiracy is that Big Brother is watching you, you know, always watching. You never know if Big Brother's watching. And it's a, it's a term that he made up in this <laughs> book for 1984. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sneezing. Excuse me. I don't know why. <laughs> I forgot I'm... we were recording. I thought we were just talking. So I'm like, why are you telling me sorry? I'm like, I'm, I'm so like, sorry. <laughs> because whoever's listening is probably going to sound really loud because I cannot sneeze quietly. No. I sneeze so quietly. It's so sad. Anyways, um, like I sneeze like... <laughs> I don't like the big old sneezes. It hurts my head. <laughs> I love it because I feel like I just get it all out. Oh, God. I don't... But what do you do with it all? It goes on my elbow. And then you just have snot elbow forever, like big snot, just chilling. Well, I have a big thick hoodie on. It just absorbed it all, so we're good. No, and your white hoodie's now green in the elbow. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so uh, back to the book. Um, (laughs) Back to the book. So pretty much the purpose of this book is to be like what life would be like in 1984. So roughly I don't math isn't working like like it, it's really only 35 years in the future it's not even that far in the future from when he wrote it but a lot can happen in 35 years well yeah look 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 it up technology, like, look, yeah. technology, technology balanced yeah. yeah so I would I would have just expected like him to do like year 2035 or mm-hmm. you know what I mean like further in the future because usually when they do it's usually like hundreds of years in the future like you know like at least a hundred like at least like not in your lifetime where he should have been born he would have been if he had didn't die of tv when he did in 1984 1984 he would have only been 81 years old i wonder if so he could have totally been alive so maybe he did a number that he was thinking i'll be alive and then he can look back and say like okay this happened or this didn't happen that he would be able to reflect on it i know i wonder if it was meant to be a prophetic book or if it was or somehow that number was significant in his life like maybe not even as a year just like those numbers maybe like you know some people they always see like certain numbers like I don't know, you just have, like, well, your lucky he, numbers, and the it, numbers are constant in your life. You always see, like, 555 or, or, like, whatever. I don't know. And for some reason, maybe 1984 was significant to him and his well, life. Well, no, because he was going to do 1988. It was just whatever sounded good, because he was uh, he was doing different numbers. Like, at one point, he was going to do, like, 1992. Like, hmm. he was, like, he was trying, like, they gave a few different examples that he didn't know what he wanted. Hmm. And then it was, like, the last minute he did 1984 because it sounded good or something like that. Like, it flowed. It does flow, yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, and a fun fact. um, So, the book was um, published on June 8th, 1940. Oh, wait. Oh, never mind. Shit. That's not a fun fact. I was going to say a fun fact about Chapter 1, but we're not there yet. Never mind. Never mind. No fun fact. No fun fact. You'll have your fun fact next week. So that's, um, so yeah, next week we're going to start talking about chapter one. 
1984. We will do a brief summary. Mm-hmm. Chapter chapter one, but part, part one. one. So the chapter, so the book is, is uh, done in three different chapters. And then in each chapter, there are parts. Like part one, part two, part three. So there's like chapters in chapters. So we're mm-hmm. doing chapter one, part one, which is about 20 pages. But it takes... So long to read because you have to like reread it because you're just learning about everything and it's just yeah, a you're, lot. You have so to you give have, yourself some time so to yeah. read it if you are gonna read it. And you can follow along with us. We're gonna go every Monday we will premiere um an or we'll we'll not premiere, but we'll post an episode um about each chapter, discuss it, review it, really dig deep into it, and um yeah, and then on Thursdays we'll still be, have our regular podcast and then as we said before, that we're going to do fun things, too, in between, maybe field trips to go see weird things. Oh, definitely. We have to do at least one field trip. Oh, God. We need to do, like, at one least, field trip, like, like one a, a week. week. <laughs> no, I'm thinking, like, yeah. maybe once a month, if we can, depending yeah. on our schedule. and how far yeah. and stuff like that, so. All right. Um, well, thank you for listening, and we will see you on Thursday for our next episode, and... Don't forget to tune in next Monday for Chapter 1 of 1984. And don't forget to uh, like, share, subscribe on Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, and that's it so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.